welcome everyone to Skin Connections, the podcast. I am your host, Gay Wardle. In Skin Connection, I interview some of the most amazing thought leaders, influencers, and educators in our industry and talk to them about everything skin and science. My first guest needs no introduction. If you've ever heard of the Aesthetic Bureau, I am sure you have heard of Trevor Neal. Trevor is well-recognized, thought leader, educator, and engineer within the local aesthetic industry. Trevor has written and delivered the laser and IPL component of the Bachelor of Health Science Dermal Therapy degree at Victoria University, and has been a regular presenter at Aesthetics and Plastic Surgery Society conferences on laser, IPL, and radio frequency. With over 30 years experience as a technical support engineer and over 20 years experience in clinical training for various manufacturers, Trevor's practical understanding of devices allows him to drive the development of superior technologies to produce devices of the highest quality. Where most suppliers are TGA device sponsors for overseas companies, Trevor and his team at the Aesthetic Bureau are now the only TGA recognized Australian manufacturer of IPL and LED. Today to talk to us about LED, Trevor Neal. Welcome Trevor. Thank you. So I'm very excited to be talking to you about this topic because LED is one of my favorite um, tools to have in the clinic. You know, people often ask me, you know, if you were going to be on a deserted island with nothing else, what would you want to have with you? And I always say my LED. I couldn't live without it. I just believe in it. I've seen so many amazing results. So to talk to you, the expert about LED today is simply amazing. So can I ask you, what is LED? Well, firstly, yeah, thank you for that uh, um great uh, introduction. Um, LED. So LED, as everyone knows, is an acronym. You know, it is light emitting diode. But I think, you know, it really is not that it's LED. It, it's about what it does and what it delivers. And, and there's many different ways we can we can look at this. But the whole significance of it is it's delivering a an energy and the energy in the form of light. Now, we all use different technologies already about this. So in actual fact, the discussion is, you know, what is, is, is light? And, um, you know, there's a whole big background going on. But, you know, we're using light in so many different things these days, such as our lasers, our IPLs, and within the LEDs to get different things happening. So for most people, when they think about light, they would actually sort of go, well, okay, light is something that allows us to see things. And, yeah, that's true. I mean, through evolution, we've we've generated um, you know sensors in our body that are interprets allows us to interpret this particular and it's it is a form of energy. So to interpret this energy and be able to see things, but more fundamentally, light is energy, and because of eyes, it's energy that we can see. And I'll I'll, I'll really want to cover this point of energy because I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the whole will go to therapeutic process, whether it's therapeutic, whether it's thermal, electrical, chemical, all those processes that we know in our photothermal, photochemical, photoacoustical, all those sort of things. It is all about this light energy. So really to drive the point home about how significant it is, well, 
light is basically all energy that that we you know it's a hundred percent of the energy that we need to live and I, I can drive that we go further into it that light energy comes from the sun so it comes it gets absorbed into plants we get a situation with plants what do they do they convert all the co2 in the world to oxygen uh, that's part of their process and let's say the forests if we can but they're, they're converting all that lower form of energy of co2 to a higher form that we know our cells need, we need to live in terms of breathing. So oxygen as a, as a substance actually has been delivered to us through energy from light. You know, if I add that to hydrogen or two parts hydrogen, I get what's called H2O. And I think most of us know that as water. Now, I'm gonna say, think about what's going on inside your body and your cells. I mean, how important to us is water and oxygen to our cellular, you know, a, a whole cellular process and, and you know, even just living, we've, we have to have all those substances and they're all derived from light as our initial source. So those great big swimming pools out there called the Pacific and Indian Oceans are just massive pools of energy which are made up of hydrogen and oxygen. The reason why we didn't have LED around back in the early 90s is because at the time there wasn't an LED or light emitting diode that have what we call an, a, a great enough efficiency to give us the intensity that we need without creating a lot of um, excess heat in the area. Now, that particular delivery mechanism got so damn hot that it was very impractical to use in a, in a sort of more bigger therapeutic application. So low level laser back in the day when they were doing this many years ago was because uh, a laser device was the only way we could get the intensities of energy to deliver the dosages into the tissue to give us those therapeutic effects that we are looking for. And when you think about the old incandescent globes, I mean, those things, they're only about 3% efficient. What that basically means is that 3% of the energy coming in came out as, as light and the other 97% generated heat. And I, you know, I know from my childhood, you touched a, a light globe that had been on for a while, it got damn hot. So, you know, we know now that even a 60 watt incandescent globe, it gives us out probably a similar amount of light to a seven watt LED. Now, why is that? Is because the LED in, in a standard light globe is going to be about 30% efficient. So we're getting less heat generation. And as we move further and get more efficient, we can put more and more intensities out with less heat. So now, I mean, for us, in terms of even development, we're moving on from the SMD to the COB on our, we, we manufacture obviously the Zen LED. Uh, and we're using that COB to allow us to pack in around about 10,500 LEDs onto our array. And that's how we are able to do that because of those, those massive efficiencies that we're getting better and better and better at. So LED is a light source. Uh, it wasn't around earlier because you know, we didn't have the, the technology available to, to deliver it without creating a lot of heat. And, uh, but it was something that we knew about. You know, it was there, people were using it with low level you know, your, your, um, your uh, hairdressers and things like that had their little uh, violet booths and things like that, that they were using to destroy bacteria, all those sort of things. So, you know, that's um, probably a bit bigger explanation in terms of what LED is, but you've got to think of it. It's a, it's a light source generator and it's all about light. And that's what we're sort of talking about. That's amazing. Like when we think of energy, we think of turning on a switch or turning something on. You know, but it's incredible that it's all around us, you know, to imagine that energy is around us everywhere we go. We've got this amazing energy that's surrounding us. Trevor, you talked, you mentioned the word diode. Can you just really quickly explain what a diode is? 
please? Well, a diode basically, we, we can call it a, it's a PN junction. It's just an electrical component. Um, as an electrical component, it allows us to convert electrical energy into a, um, in, into a frequency. And that frequency that we have coming out obviously is in a, in a frequency that our ears are, uh, sorry, our eyes are able to detect. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll talk about that probably a little later if we, we get there, but, you know, we're able to detect that. And, um, you know, depending on how that electrical component is made, the gaps, the, the doping of the, the PN junctions as to what particular wavelength that we do get out of these, these items. So what particular color we're getting out of a, a diode. So it's just an electrical component that allows us to convert electrical energy to light. Beautiful. Now you mentioned the word wavelength. So what is a wavelength? What does that mean? Energy is very similar to sound. And I usually relate the fact that, you know, I remember my teacher during music, they had a tuning fork, they bang that down on the table. And of course, we've got these vibrations of the tuning fork. And of course, those cause vibrations. And as they're moving backwards and forwards and traveling through space, we have these oscillations going on. And those vibrations would basically then come in and depending on the intensity, well, in intensity was obviously the, the, the uh, volume of it, but the, depending on the, how frequent those vibrations were would then de depend on what the pitch was. So if I had a, a high frequency, like I can go, like a high frequency, I'd have a high pitch. If I had a low frequency, then it would be a low pitch. Now, what we're doing there is if I can sort of and I usually use the analogy of just moving my hand up and down and, and I've got these vi you know, vibrations going on in my hand and that's sort of setting up a, an oscillation. And then I start moving my hand in a direction. Then what I find when I do that is my hand makes these little waves. Now, we have all these frequency changes in amongst all that. Same thing as in sound. Obviously, as the oscillations are going up and down and traveling at the speed of sound, I can actually now measure the distance between two peaks of oscillations or two troughs of oscillations. And because the frequencies are so high now, we actually refer them to as in a distance. And it's a wavelength in the term of nanometers. Now, nanometer is it's a very small portion and a very short distance, but we tend to measure our wavelengths in terms of our nanometers for, for ease of interpretation. But really for most people out there, the interpretation is just think of the color. Uh, that's how our brain will pick that up. You know, when I started working with LEDs, you know, and this is quite a long time ago, we didn't worry about the intensity of the LED. We just had a machine, we programmed into the, the wavelength that we want to use and we let it go. And now with the LEDs that are on the market, there is different intensities. So can you explain how important that is and you know, how that's sort of developed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with the intensity is, it's look, and, I, and I'll put it down and I hate to get into this physics and who'd have thought here in the aesthetics industry when, when we're all at school that we got into aesthetics and now we're doing physics. You know, <laughs> it's uh, a subject that I don't think a lot of us, well, a lot of the, you know, the therapists may have chosen when they're at school thinking this is going to be really important to what they do moving forward. But, you know, intensity, <laughs> when we look at, when you look at light, you've got to think of dosage. Now, light energy, it's energy, like anything else, it's energy, it's a substance. 
you know, we talk about medications, you know, it can be a, like a chemical peel. You have a low dose and a high dose in medications. And I use quite often an example of, you know, you've got a headache, do you take a low dose Panadol or a high dose Panadol? Well, you know, a low dose Panadol may have a bit of an effect, that's okay. But, you know, a lot of us tend to opt towards something a bit stronger because we don't, you know, it depends on the severity of the headache and all those sort of things. But, you know, when we think about it, we've got to think about uh, dosage and dosage is how much energy we need to put into the cells to have this whole therapeutic structure going on. And there's many studies going on about that. Now, realistically, when we look at the studies, we talk about, um, we talk about for red, for example, as a, as a, as a color, but at 633 nanometers, we talk about how we need 60 joules per square centimeter as, as the optimal dosage of energy delivery to get the optimal outcome. Now, if you deliver 10 joules per square centimeter, you know, you will have typically a, a, some outcome, but not anywhere near what you'll see at 60 joules. So now to deliver that dosage, it's actually a situation where it's, in, it's like, and I say dosage is like a, a you know, bucket full of water. You know, you've got five liter bucket, you know, the faster I deliver that energy or, the, or the, the water into the bucket, the faster it fills. So it's going to be intensity times duration. So how bright it is times the duration. So how many joules per second you're delivering and joules per second actually is a term for watts. How many wattage uh, joules per second that you deliver and how long you're delivering it for will give you your total dosage. So the, the larger the hose or the faster the hose, the faster the bucket fills. So, you know, we have a situation that, you know, for most of us, we know that that sort of sweet spot time for, for um, uh, treatments for a lot of people is around about the 20 minutes. Beyond that, they start getting a little bit toey, and I understand people are time poor. Uh, and obviously, the higher the intensity you can go, then the faster you can get those treatments, treatments done. So, you know, that's where intensity comes into play. Now, I'll give you a bit of an example. We... Um, we, we manufacture two units. We manufacture it's a Pearl Zen face mask. And I will say our face mask is an SMD style. So it's nowhere near as intense as our Zen. Um, and also we don't have, um, you know, cooling on it. So you don't have fans in the background running, taking the heat out of the, the uh, LEDs. But, you know, there is a limitation to how much intensity you can put out of a face mask because of that. And it comes fairly close to the face so that there's a lot more heat. And it, we do have to minimize the amount of heat. We've got to keep our, our treatment area below 45 degrees Celsius. So we've got to minimize that amount of heat. So there's, technologically speaking, there's a maximum limit we can have out of a face mask. Now, even with our face mask, we've actually added a few little things like ceramic heat sinks at the back of our LEDs. It does add around about 70 grams to the weight of it, which makes means that we now put it onto a, 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 um, a, uh, a stand so that it doesn't go off the client's face sort of thing. So it gives a more of a clinical sort of feel to it. But even there, we're, we're now able to turn the intensity up because we do have more heat sinks, but that unit is still one 15th, the intensity of our Zen LED with our newer COB uh, chip on board LEDs. And what that basically means is if I'm delivering a 10 minute treatment with the, with the, the Zen and, and delivering my full dosage of 60 joules, to do exactly the same with a face mask or any, you know, and I'll say that that goes with any of the flexibles and all those other panel bits and pieces like that, you're going to have to multiply it by a factor of 15. So 10 by 15 is 150 minutes. Is that correct? Yep, that's my mass. Uh, and I think what's that? That's uh, two, and a, two and a half hours, you know, and no one's going to sit underneath them for two and a half hours to get the same outcome. 
a lot of people talk about, you know, I've got the maximum pa intensity panels and these ones are the most powerful. I've got to relate back to my old light, light globe analogy earlier on with the 60 watt lights that we used to have. You know, unfortunately in the industry, most people relate to the intensity of their LEDs and, and all that sort of things in terms of that input power. Remember the, the light globe, only 3% of that 60 watt came out as optical energy. So, you know, I have all these systems out there that we, we sort of come up against that the sort of going, oh, we've got this massive power coming out, but when they relate their settings and their parameters to you, they're talking to you about their, their actual input power, not what they're getting out optically. Um, what I find interesting about that, Gay, is that, um, you know, when we start talking about our treatment intervals, when we use, you know, 60 joules per square meter on our, our uh, because what we do is we can get to a point where we can overdose, even with reds and near infrareds, we can overdose, it's called biphasic dose response. Um, and we, we, we want to dose them up to around that 60 joules. If I come back too soon, I may overdose. If I overdose, I retard the effect. So I need to have that interval. And I'd sort of say to people, look, if you do have, for example, even our, our Pearl Zen or, or one of those smaller ones where you're not getting as much dosage, sure, you could use that on a daily basis without any risk of biphasic dose response. You know, unless you're sitting under it for, you know, two and a half hours per session, then, then, then go ahead. Look, one of the other things I want to talk about was just how the, the, the wavelength affects the skin. Fundamentally, they work within the mitochondria. We have what we call, there's just two actual theories that come in, but the most common one we talk about, photo disassociation. It's all about increasing ATP within that cell out of the, the cytochrome C oxidase in, in the mitochondria. Now, you know, that is really one of the, what's well, actually the the prime thing is the photo disassociation of mitochondrial nitric oxide. The secondary outcome is an increase of adenosine triphosphate or cellular energy. Um, and then there's a reduction and, and regulation of, of reactive oxygen species, which is free radicals or oxidative stress. So, you know, we're having all these particular processes. So what does that mean? Well, that basically means that cell has more power now to do what it needs to do. You know, it has the power to heal faster. It has the power to divide quicker or draw in nutrients, dispose of waste, all of these sort of processes that a cell needs to do to function, to heal. You know, so in some regards, when I talk to a client about, you know, what's the expert out outcome of this? Well, look, we're putting light energy into the cell. You know, what it's doing is increasing that cellular energy so that cell can perform as good as if not better than it did when you were way younger. You know, you're bringing it back to that youthful type of, of cell that it can heal quickly. It can deal with any issues and ailments and, and respond to those particular issues quicker. And it, you know, even stem cells, but, you know, we even get into the pathway there that it does migrate. So it goes, it affects lymphatics. So we get reduction of edema as a result of improved lymphatics. So that's our red and near infrared. And as I indicated within our process, we tend to use red for our skin types one, two, and three, and then we change frequency. So we now go to blue. I love blue. It's interesting how one particular frequency range or wavelength range now reacts with bacteria. And it reacts with bacteria to create singlet oxygen. We talk P bacteria or P acnes to create singlet oxygen, which destroys that bacteria. So blue as a wavelength is antibacterial. So, and yes, the blockages of melanin and, and uh, um, uh, oxyhemoglobin obviously are gonna mean that it's more superficial. So yeah, just getting onto those sort of things, they're, they're what you need to look at. And it sort of plays a big part on how we use these systems uh, within clinics. Beautiful. Trevor, can I just ask just a couple of things? Um, they're just going back to like your face masks and the handheld 
um, devices and things like that. People are actually saying because they're really close to the skin, almost touching the skin, that they that the energy is just as powerful as the bigger devices. You said that's not true, and I do believe that. But can we just kind of clarify that again, please? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the issue is that I, mean, I don't care how far, I mean, look, we have an array, our, our Zen LED, we've got, we actually fact have 3,500 LEDs running for, for our red, for example. Um, and you, if you, even if you get beam divergence from those, they actually cross over and any gap that's created is filled in by beam divergence from other. So it's a fairly even distribution of energy, except when you get right out to the peripherals. So the intensity is going to be maintained right through it. When you, you know, even on our face mask, where we're probably uh, where we are, I think we've got 800 LEDs on that, but we've only got, um, if I think about it, it's about 400 red LEDs. So there's a lot of red LEDs in there. Uh, we're not getting that, that, that it, and, and we've got to run them at a lower intensity because we don't have the, the heat ability to draw the heat out of them, with, like we do with uh, heat sinks and fans on the bigger units. You know, the answer is we're not running them as intense. We don't have the same densities of LEDs. So it doesn't matter whether you've got them close or further away in that particular regard, the intensity is just not there. Um, and, and, you know, quite frankly, we can easily stick, stick power meters and, and, you know, put them right up against the mask and, and, and pull them out at a therapeutic level, whether it's five or 20 centimeters from our arrays and, and, and just show that on meters. So yeah, it's, it's just not the case. You know, the problem being is that they just don't have the intensities. If they did that, they, they would start getting too hot. Sure, that's amazing. And um, yeah, I do believe that myself as well. So just um, one other question. With the blue light, what's your take on that too much of that can, can create post-inflammatory pigmentation? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's a very well-known sort of side, you know, complication associated with LED. And I'm surprised most people aren't aware of it. Um, and, I, and I dare say it's because, you know, you, you, if you're running an LED that's up, you know, some of the upper level LEDs, you probably would have seen this. I mean, two things occur with blue. Not only do we get a little bit of, you know, there's a potentially a little bit of heat because we know blue absorbs into melanin quite well and regardless of whether it's um, you know skin type two three or whatever so we're also causing trauma to the sebaceous gland so not only are we getting we we're not at that uv part of the spectrum and you know we're, we're very safe you know we run at the 420 uh, nanometers we run it at that plus or minus two two um percent either side of that or two nanometers sorry plus or minus two nanometers either side um you know so we're, we're pretty precise with that uh, we're not in that UV, so we're not worried about uh, melanoma, but the problem is there you're still getting some melanin stimulation. So on your darker skin type, I know on our protocols, we've actually reduced on our protocols the intensity when running a dark, on a darker skin type, uh, and we actually do reduce the dosage as well. Um, so there's that. The second thing is, as I said, we get trauma in the sebaceous glands. So what you've got to look at when running blue that, you know, in a lot of regards, they do have a little bit of uh, the skin gets dry and they might get some fine lines and wrinkles. So while they're getting rid of acne, most people aren't necessarily as concerned about uh, transient hyperpigmentation or PIH. Um, but, uh, you know, ideally you want to try and minimize that. Now, it's interesting when we talk about, you know, my, my whole feeling regarding utilizing LED for treating pigment, you know, we can have lots of discussions about this, but if we're adding ATP into a cell, and that's the whole premise of a lot of these particular wavelengths, 
you know, the issue is, is, a, is, a, is melanin a cell in trauma that needs more ATP? And if I do put more ATP in there, does that mean the melanin is going to get lighter? And I would probably say, no, it's not going to change it at all. However, if I'm doing a treatment with, with blue, for example, and I wanted to reduce that risk of PIH associated with it, then I would like to use a wavelength that could help calm the melanosomes and even calm that whole area around the melanin so that we don't have that risk of PIH. So if I'm looking at treating melanin with, with um, LED, quite frankly, the best wavelength, which would not absorb into specifically the melanin layer, would be that NIR. It's not going to create any heat. So we sort of recommend if you, if you do have this risk of PIH that you, you combine your blue with NIR. And the reason why NIR instead of red is because the red can still absorb into the melanin, whereas the NIR tends to pass through it a little bit and just give the cells that energy as opposed to create heat or trauma within those particular components. So uh, yeah, very, very well known, very common. Uh, and uh, as I said, just use a moisturizer uh, ideally as well. Beautiful. So Trevor, we have to be so careful today with all the options that we have for treatments of adverse reactions. You know, um, the treatments that we perform, there's a very real um, reality that there are more adverse reactions around now more than there ever has been. So we think of LED as being a very safe device. And in many ways it's used to, as a rescue remedy for some of the treatments that may have been performed where there have been adverse reactions. What sort of reactions or contraindications do you see with LED? Well, I, look, I agree with you. One of the great things about LED is it's, it's um, and I, I'm sorry, I can't use, and I can't bring myself to say it's, it's safe. I mean, even TGA is not a big fan of people using the word safe, I will say, but um, you know, it, it has a, it's a very low risk type of technology. Um, what we find is the complications, quite frankly, uh, are more along, you know, things as you indicated, PIH, post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, um, which is more common with blue. Um, I will say uh, with red, we do sort of see a little bit of a spike of ROS before it subsides, which can be handy if we're doing stuff where we're going dermally with a treatment where we need a little bit more perfusion or blood flow, such as needling. Um, but, uh, you know, so there could be a little bit of redness before it quickly subsides. Um, there is a few other things that, that, you know, I've seen come up recently, such as uh, blurry vision. Um, and, you know, we experienced blurry vision uh, quite a while ago. Um, and and uh, it was actually uh, one of our, our uh, people on the ground uh, was having it. And when we, she sort of went through and Googled it all and, and did research and we found that, it, you know, we weren't the first. It was been, you know, happening with many other LED systems and it tends to pop up from time to time where people have blurry vision um, and it was mainly on the blue. Now we have had people report it. We sort of tend to get one. We, we, we were getting one every around about 12 months where someone would report that they had a client with blurry vision, which held up for an hour. So we've looked into that. Um, you know, we haven't been able to explain exactly why it happens. We do feel it tends to be more with darker skin types. Um, but we've, we've actually modified our settings on our system to absolutely minimize that. And we've also changed our eye shields to ensure we maximize the eye protection so that, um, you know, we, we don't see that. So that's one thing that can catch people out that suddenly someone's got blurry vision. And of course, that's a bit dis disconcerting for them and the operators. But no, it's been out there for years and, and it is transient. Um, so they're the, the two bigger ones. But it does lead us, look, I mean, there's other things that I can bring in, um, dehydration, uh, a bit of claustrophobia, all those sort of things can be considered. But 
you know, when we look at uh, contraindications, what I find it's we're, we're sort of fairly lucky with um, uh, LED that most people who have an issue such as porphyria or solar urticaria, or they have a uh, sensitivity to light as a result of lupus um, or, or uh, any of those sorts of things, that they know straight up that they they shouldn't be in a you know an area where they've got intense light sources. So. While your questionnaires may have, you know, looking for anyone with uh, porphyria, which is an overproduction of porphyrins, which is exacerbated by intense light exposure to make it worse so they can get neuralgia and stuff. You know, I don't necessarily want to treat them. Well, they know that. So we don't typically see them, but it's good to know. What I find is one of the more interesting ones that I've found recently, uh, and it came up through, you know, long story, I won't know how I got to it, but you know, it's called photophobia. And um, I hadn't heard of this through any of the, even the big name groups before as a, as a, as a uh, contraindication. But when you look at photophobia, photophobia is actually not a fear of light. It just means that some people have a massive sensitivity to it and it manifests itself as actually pain. They feel it in their eyes in terms of, of pain. So I sort of indicate to, even when we do our training, I sort of go, look, if anyone's even with the big eye shields that we've got on and even with the light source on, they're uncomfortable then don't just sort of sit there and go, oh, big cry baby. You know, you've got to be aware that, that they may, I mean, you can't diagnose it as photophobia or something like that, but there may be something there and you need to pay attention to that. So the only way that you can look at treating them either A, reduce the intensity, B, again, move on to NIR if you're using red or if they're still filling with NIR, then discontinue treatment. So, you know, the risks are quite low. The, the um, you know, the, the improvement of ATP and the, the outcomes where, you know, we, we, we sort of look at all of those sort of things, um, you know, are quite uh, are quite high. And as we can see, how the markets, you know, taking these on, and everyone, you know, we get in there is raving about their results. Um, you know, that the, the uh, it, it's such a big pickup for this technology. And it, look, it it really does give you a passion when you get into it, and you get into it at the upper end. I can hear that from you. Like that's that's really important listening to what those contraindications. One um, is the blurry vision because I think so many times we are very complacent with LED and um, we tend not to use eyewear on people that are under LED. And I think the importance of that and bringing that home that there is a condition that can be caused and that's blurry eyes. And I think you know um, it's really important that we really do. Um, protect our eyes when we're using devices, all devices, including LED. Well, Can I just ask you, you know, like I've seen amazing results with the LEDs uh, treatments that I've, I've given over the years. And like I said, I couldn't leave home without it really. So what results have you seen with LED? Well, look, I mean, the, the results that we tend to have coming in, you know, we're, we're really looking at um, uh, when I talk to a client, you know, at the end of the day, because we're now getting those cells uh, more rejuvenated and, and we're, yeah, even if it's collagen, we're strengthening collagen. So we, we normally relate it to a client as a more youthful appearance. I mean, if, if when you go under it, you'll see what I mean, but it's a more youthful appearance, you know, a, a more luminosity to the skin. So as a, just as a rejuve treatment, that's the sort of outcomes that we'll see. And I mean, you know, it also strengthens the skin so that, you know, even if you're about to take a holiday overseas and you're going to be in the sun a lot, if you do get, you know, strengthen those cells and preempt them. And I know you're going to use topicals for your vitamins and, and enzymes on the, on the dermal, on the epidermal layers, but do a bit of LED work as well. Get them all prepped so that you can tolerate that sun way more effectively. So that's, so there's that skin tolerance, but we start moving into areas such as acne, you know, we, we've got a, 
great reduction in acne because of that, that uh, you know, bacteria reduction. And typically I do highlight, however, but acne may be a multi-pronged approach, but in some regards, we do see a significant reduction. And it's that redness reduction that we have coming on, whether it's you know, rosacea or that, that redness from that, that um, uh, actinic skin or, or whatever it may be. That, that we sort of see that coming in. But on top of all that is the faster recovery. So, you know, not only are you getting a situation when you do augment it with something, the skin's prepped, the deeper tissue is prepped. So it's going to actually recover better and you get a better lay down of collagen and all this sort of things if we're going through things like fractional or whatever, but it, it heals faster. The redness goes quicker. You know, there's just that luminosity that the clients look better. And by the way, the red is, in it, is one of them. We get an endorphin release, so they feel better from it too. And by the way, if you've got one of these in your clinic and you are feeling a little stressed, dive in there and, and you know, that'll calm you down. And I warn all the staff of anything, if the boss suddenly disappears for an LED treatment, you've probably pissed them off and they're trying to recover. <laughs> I'll be underneath it all day long. Yeah. So <laughs> just, just a really quick question here. So much controversy around this. Yep. LED before or after needling treatments before or after, you know, um, any kind of laser treatments, your quick thoughts on that, please. So um, needling in that regard, um, because two things, and, and, I, and I didn't have time necessarily to go through it, but as I said, two things happen. We get an increase in ATP, but with red, for example, we also have an increase of ROS. So in other words, we have a bit more oxidative stress and, and, and mitochondrial nitric oxide. So we have a little bit of a short-term inflammatory response. So we get a, a much greater blood flow in the area short term. So ideally, we would like that through so that we can, when we do our needling, um, if we can get that pre, what happens there is we can get to our endpoints quicker and we can have a better outcome. Now, again, I don't care whether you do it pre or post in a lot of regards, because that ATP production is going to stay around. But if I can do it pre, get that, that increase of of um, ROS and get that blood flow through, it does that. And you'll pre-prime the skin a little bit as well for that healing process. So that's for needling. And of course, obviously the big concern there is if I do needling and then shove them under an intense red afterwards, suddenly I'm getting this spike of ROS and this, this, this increase of perfusion, even momentarily, which you're trying to actually now hope will calm down a little bit. Uh, and if they're a darker skin type and you've got a lot of redness in there, what may happen is that that it may also, I know it's red and you get reflections and things like that, but we do find it picks up a little more and you may get a little bit more heat generation. So it doesn't, it's not great in terms of minimizing PIH. So quite frankly, we prefer to do any, you know, historically we used to say any dermal treatment. Now I don't care whether it's needling or, or um, uh, any other deeper fractional or whatever it may be. We prefer you to do it pre uh, and then we used to sort of say anything epidermally, so it's surface, so you're not worried about that increase of ROS, you could do it pre or post, so do it post. But I think for ease of use out there these days, we typically go, you know what, we actually prefer it pre. Now, there are a couple of other reasons, and the other reasons are never do LED over or after a peel. Now, I know you're going to say to me, oh, we clean the substance off the skin, but it still absorbs in the cell. You don't get all of it. So I know there's going to be there's, there has been incidences where the LED has reactivated the this the uh, peel uh, and they've had an overreaction from that. I know there's been incidences where you know even with needling we've got situations where we have a you know these little spots of PIH as a as opposed to reduction. 
Uh, all of these sort of things occur. So our protocol is pre. Now, we can argue over the point of having that inflammatory response, but I can then turn around and go, well, look, how about if I put more energy into the cells by having greater ATP, does the cell have the capacity to produce all those enzymes that, that it would be normally getting out of the blood or, or it now has the capacity to do itself? So why not take away those free radicals and that, that oxidative stress and, and then let the cells heal by needling? So give all of the, the goodness to it without having to have all that stress that would need to go on to feed the, the healing process when you can actually get the cells to do that function themselves. So we recommend pre across the board. Uh, and I do know some people will say, well, I do, you know, I do a, um, I put a, a, a topical anesthetic on prior. Do we do it over the topical? The answer is no. Do I do it before the topical? No. If you're going to do it post guys, that's where NIR comes into play. That's where I feel that, you know, if you run into NIR, you'll find that the ROS drops off quite quickly and you can do NIR post. But for us across the board, our standard protocol is LED prior. Um, and again, unless you're doing something where uh, you've got a topical or something like that. And if you do have to run it post, it needs to be NIR. Amazing. So if someone's in the um, shopping around for an LED device, what are some tips that you could give to them? What, would they, what should they look for? What should they avoid? What are the questions they should ask? Well, look, I mean, if they're looking at a system, the first thing's a wavelength, you know, and I, I hate to throw it out there, but that little example of the phone where we'd put the light torch on and you put your thumb over it, I mean, I, I throw those little bits and pieces up about greens and yellows and, and all those other fancy colours. Now, look, I can get you to go on, and if you look at light therapy, if you even Google light therapy, you'll find that there are seven different wavelengths associated with light therapy. Now, it's not about what it does to tissue. It's actually how you feel mentally. And, you know, yes, the blues and the greens, or sorry, the greens and yellows and all these sort of things and purples give you a certain mental perception. And I, and I relate to things like if you look at a blue sky versus a gray sky, how do you feel? If you've got a green field versus a brown field, how does that make you feel? So color is important, you know, mentally, but in terms of therapeutic in the cell, the fact that we're not getting, and, and the whole function of LED, I mean, I can use topical substance on the surface of the skin. You know, you've got your vitamins and your enzymes and all those sort of things that absorb into the epidermis. But you, the whole function of LED is that deeper work. And I've got that blood barrier there. So if I, I need to look at wavelengths that are really going to give me that penetration to get those deeper cells. And to be quite frank, we focus like a lot of the bigger name brands out there. We focus on red and NIR, red for, for typically your lighter skin types because we get a great ATP production, but NIR because we're gonna deal with darker skin types or you're dealing with someone with a lot of redness on the skin cell, we'll use NIR or we wanna minimize PIH. You know, then we have blue in there for, for bacteria. A lot of those other wavelengths aren't overly appropriate. Now, on conjecture of that, yes, on our face mask, we do have a green. Um, you know, I will sort of say, you know, okay, our green, uh, my, my conjecture on this is that the higher frequency may be able to generate a little bit more ATP in, in the very epidermal layers. So, I mean, you know, you could do that topically, but it does give you a little bit more for epidermal work, but that's not what really what a medical LED is there for. It's more for deeper stuff. So wavelength is, is uh, important. Secondly, you know, intensity is a big one now. And, and look, I'm going to chat this at you quickly if I've got the time, but that you know, I, I categorize LEDs into two categories. There's a, the greater than $15,000 LEDs and the less than $10,000 LEDs. And, and our, our face mask, our Pearl Zen is a less than $10,000 one. Now understand 
they'll get an outcome from it, but you know, it's an entry level device. You're not going to get the same passion level that you will with, uh, with the other ones. Understand that maybe the only way that you can go, but that's where they'll fit. I've had people say to me, oh, it doesn't matter. You can get a cheap one and an expensive one. They all do the same. Well, they are reacting with the cells the same, but the dosages are very different. You know, you get to the bigger units to be able to deliver those intensity, the arrays and all the LED panels that we use are very expensive. So yeah, that's why you see them up at those levels. So you need the intensities, you need the wavelengths, you know, also the, the understanding of the providers, you know, you need the education to come in, you know, understanding of what this is doing, how to, how to use it, when to use it. You know, these discussions about pre, post, you know, we have other discussions regarding, I think one came up recently about narcolepsy and, you know, we, we know that we haven't sort of had any negative situation with that. And so we know it's not an issue, but even blurry eyes, I've seen that on Facebook and, and I know most out there are sort of going, I've got no idea. So, you know, I think you really need to sort of see, you know, people understanding what these particular systems are. So um, I think that's important as well. Uh, you know, we can move on to things such as TGA as well. I mean, TGA is important because especially if you're getting up to that level to have that, that uh, we are talking about some sort of cellular uh, uh, process going on. So it, it does need to be covered by TGA. Absolutely. So, you know, that's an interesting. The reaction is the same, but the dosage is different. And I think that's something that we really do need to consider when we're looking for these devices, because, you know, there is a huge price difference out there, but we really do need to understand what dose we're actually um, looking for when we want to use these devices on, on skins. Now, you just mentioned TGA. So first, of all, I want to congratulate you on being um, recognised as the TGA as the by TGA is the Australian manufacturer. So can you tell us what is the difference between be, being recognized by TGA as an Australian manufacturer or being just a device sponsor? Well, look, I mean, as a device sponsor, you, you're just looking after and, and uh, marketing a device for an overseas manufacturer. So, you know, being a manufacturer in Australia, what it really means is that as a company, we have to comply to certain standards. And, the, and the, the first one that we've got to apply to is the ISO 13485. Now you sort of go, yeah, big numbers, international standards organization. You know, what that really means is that as a company, we have to have a lot of specific structures in place. So we've got a whole reporting process. And by the way, actually it's happening this month from what I know, but we get audited and inspected annually to ensure that we're fully compliant. So they're going through all our manufacturing processes. They're going through all our documentation to ensure that we're doing the right thing. So, you know, the trouble is with, well, I won't say the trouble, but as a sponsor for an overseas manufacturer, well, yes, the overseas manufacturer gets audited, but you as a local supplier of a device, all you're really doing, you can do what you like. I mean, you can say what you like. We actually get totally reviewed on our, on, on our statements. Everything that we do comes under the spotlight to ensure that we are fully compliant. I mean, if we had distributors overseas as a sponsor, they wouldn't uh, you know, need to comply. Not to say that people do go outside the boundaries, but you know, that sort of thing happens. But we are 100% compliant with that. We get audited every year. If we don't, you know, if we're non-compliant, we can get struck off. Um, and on that, we also have to carry the, the, the CE, which is the electrical compliance and medical 
electrical compliance for our devices. So we carry that in Australia as well um, uh, as, as us, but we, we get that all done. Um, so, you know, again, we have to show all documentation for that. We have to ensure that our equipment meets all the standards uh, and it's not done by a third party group. Anything that we do in terms of modification, we have to ensure that it's still there. In some cases I related to, you know what, it's, it's much like, you know, for an education group, and I hate to put this to you, but it's, it's like comparing an RTO to just a, someone who you know, does training, not to undervalue that. I mean, there's experience there, but you know, an RTO is, is held accountable. And as, a, as a, um, a, an Australian manufacturer, we're now 100% accountable for, for the devices and we're audited and inspected annually to comply with those. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of work, but um, you know, we really wanted to get to that point to ensure that uh, people can have the trust and faith in, in the fact that we are you know, producing uh, equipment at the level that we do. Congratulations, and that's why your reputation is so so highly regarded in the industry, Trevor, because of what you the way you do things and to to have that achievement. I know it's a lot of work, but well done to you. Thank you. So you know, I get to travel around like you do. We get to go into these amazing clinics where people have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on equipment. And the equipment's in the corner of the of the room, and you ask how often do you use that? And it might be oh once a month or once every two weeks or whatever. And it's just heartbreaking to think that you know they're purchasing these pieces of equipment, but they're not using it. So what are some ways that we can maximize the LED machine in our businesses to incorporate it into business with combinations of treatments? Oh, look, I mean, first thing is just get excited about it, as I do, read up about light. As you can sort of see, I mean, I, I, with that passion, it's, it's easy to translate across to people what effect it's happening. But, you know, realistically, uh, and I'll say with our systems, with the Zen especially, our users, uh, we, we don't tend to see that because they are seeing the outcomes from it. But I think you'll find that once you start using it, adding it in, I mean, the biggest thing is add them in the treatments. You know, you can, you can do, as you say, your needling or you can do all the other processes in there. Start adding them in. You'll actually see those results coming in, you know, improvement results, faster healing, faster recovery. Uh, and, and, you know, that's one way. The other way, I mean, start setting them up as a, as a standalone, as a rejuvenation and, you know, package them together you know, we, we talk about standard LED treatments have been two treatments a week over four to six weeks. That's um, uh, right, over three to four weeks, my error. Um, yeah. So, you know, we talk about those sort of things, package them up so that you, uh, you, you have a situation where you can put those offers to clients and, and, and start using the equipment. Because I find that, you know, when you start getting into it, seeing the outcomes from the technology, it really does speak for itself. But Really, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's start looking at them as a combination treatment, add them into your needling, add them into everyone, to be quite frank, everyone, even younger, younger clients can use it as a treatment. Everyone can benefit from having LED in there. So uh, it, it shouldn't be one of those things that sits in the corner. And to be quite frank, I don't know of too many people where LED does sit in the corner. And I, and I do feel that's because they are seeing those, you know, they're utilizing it and they're seeing those outcomes. True. I used to, in the past, um, use LED as an add-on to entice people to purchase packages and things like that. I don't do that anymore. I actually sell it alone as a as a treatment because, you know, it took me a little bit of time. I always loved LED, but I think we have to believe and see the results to actually understand the value of an LED device. And to me, it's something that we should be charging for and never reduce the price 
um, and never entice and use it as an enticement to, for people to buy packages. I've certainly changed my point of view on that in um, recent years. So final question, where do you yeah. see LED treatments going in the future? Oh, mate, it's just, uh, it, <laughs> we go into, and I, I wish I had another hour to talk about this, but uh, in terms of LED, I mean, as I've indicated already with, in terms of intensity wise, um, you know, we know with our, with the Zen, we're at a point now that we're, we're coming up to that borderline between photobiomodulation and photothermal. And we do even, when we educate, we educate based on, um, based on skin typing, because we know darker skin types, we have to change our parameters to minimize uh, loss in, in heat. Um, so we, we've got our treatment durations down to as short as we possibly can by, by going to those sort of limits. So we're now at a point where we can do a, a full dosage of, of red in around about seven minutes. But so, so in terms of those sort of levels, that's about as far as we can go in terms of delivering the energy. The next step that we sort of see is that we're going to see the, the, the arrays getting bigger and bigger. You know, I'm talking about moving on to the full body type of processes. Now, you know, we already see these things coming up in wellness and we talk about seasonal affective disorder. There are studies going on in mental health. Uh, we even talk about motor neurone disease and, and um, uh, those sorts of uh, neurological disorders where we're able to get greater cognition, but mental health. So we're, and then and we're talking about depression. So I know there's studies going on regarding, you know, skin health re, uh, in conjunction with, with depression and, and dealing with that in the therapeutic process. And the great thing about LED do, is there that you're also getting energy in the cell. So not only are you getting, you know, that, that uh, improvement of health and, and a, a mental health, so we say, you're getting that sort of skin strengthening and, and rejuvenation. And moving on with that, you know, I mean, we see this happening where energy, you know, once you start putting energy into the muscle and getting more ATP, then it means that you physically, you physically have more energy. And I, and I always relate back to the Nike team at the Barcelona Olympics. And a lot of the uh, gridiron, you know, uh, football teams over in the US now use LED as part of their recovery and, and uh, you know, to, to also not only recover, but, but uh, in, enhance performance. So it's almost a, an enhancement process so that they can perform better. So, you know, for me at my age, uh, I got into the LED just, and when you you know contact me, I was in the LED at the time, but to give me the energy to get through things because I was feeling a little bit sluggish this morning. But it it's true, you know, you're getting that energy in, you feel better, your muscles are, are working better, and and you know we talk about reduction of delayed onset of muscle soreness as DOMS. So we we're getting way way into these bigger body areas, moving into wellness. So mental health, wellness, and that that whole particular process. I mean. You know, we're also talking to groups, and, and this is really off the, the side of it regarding equine, so horses, horse racing. We know vets already use this sort of thing for, for, for your, you know, cats, dogs, and for healing. So there's so many areas that it's heading into. But I think really in our domain, we're moving into that wellness area that we're starting to look at the bigger area of coverage, such as your, your full body work. Amazing. So Trevor Neal, it has been an absolute pleasure and a delight to speak with you. Your knowledge on the subject of LED is without doubt the best in the country. If anyone wishes to contact Trevor, and he's got amazing devices, if you are shopping around for an LED, please have a chat with him. You can email Trevor on trevor at aestheticbureau, that's A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-B-U-R-E-A-U.com.au. And you can also go to their website, 
So thank you, Trevor. Really have enjoyed my time with you and thanks for your knowledge. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>